Welcome to The Feral Housewife, the ramblings of a 40-something-year-old mother of six, homeschooler, wife, artist, potter, small business owner. You get the picture. A kind of little bit of everything is what I do. My name is Sydney, and I'm your host, and this is episode one. If you struggle to fit in, maybe feel like your glass is half empty more often than it's half full, and you run on coffee and curse words, this might be the place for you. My aim in this podcast is to host a real-world snippet into what my day and week is like. Not the polished image that you might see on other social media accounts of mothers with many children, but what really goes on. And I'm going to own all the bad along with all the good. That's my goal here. So welcome. I hope to include a little bit about my fiber craftiness, my general knitting, weaving, what have you, that I may or maybe not participating in that week. If we happen to be gardening, cooking or baking, a hot homeschool minute, and some general ramblings. So if that sounds like something you're into, feel free and listen, and I appreciate you sharing your time with me. If you are a knitter and you used to listen to podcasts some time ago, you know, like 15 years ago before podcasts were a really big thing, I used to host a podcast called Naked Knits. I hosted it a little over two years, and I really enjoyed it. I had a personal experience that was rather traumatic. And I had to stop hosting. I didn't have to stop hosting. Let me clarify. I chose to stop hosting. It wasn't the right place or time anymore. I'll get into why at another time, perhaps if the opportunity presents itself, but I don't see why we should start ourselves on a downer. But any rate, if my voice sounds familiar, that's what I am. If you're on Ravelry, I'm Sydney Knit. I'm the Feral Housewife on YouTube, although if you're looking for polished YouTube videos, my content is not for you. If you're looking for fast, down, and dirty action of what my day-to-day things are or tutorials, I may be your girl. (laughs) It's a general mix of everything that I've posted. So I have some statistics videos that I chose to leave up there when I was in graduate school. I found the tutorials helped my classmates and I still leave them because I have a few views every semester as that class re-ups and I would like to leave it there. I also post about sourdough baking and um, pottery, things like that. I am a professional potter. By no means do I make our electric bill in what I sell pottery for. And I'll get into that when I talk about my general art later. But first, let's talk a little bit about the fiber fun we had. So I went away on a mom weekend. I guess I can't call it a mom weekend because I wasn't a mom. I just left my kids. I highly recommend this. If you have children, and you can go somewhere else and not be with your children for a period of time, I recommend it. I totally subscribe to that the days are long, but the years are short adage. But that does not mean that you need to imprison yourself in your home with your children all the time. You will be a better mom if you get out and go do something. Now, I'm not denying that we're in this personal pan pizza together, and with all the Pandorica going, that it's harder to get away. So I have a little personal bubble. I'm a mask wearer, not shaming you if you're not one. You're not allowed to shame me if I am one. So now we're moving on. So I have a personal bubble of people 
who also social distance and are into that deal. That include my husband, my children, and my best friend, and my mom. And if you're not those people, then I'm not really hanging with you. So you get how this is going. So what did I do? I went to my best friend's house, and we went to the yarn store. If you have a hobby, which most everybody, I think, has a hobby. If you don't have a hobby, I can suggest about 47 of them towards the end of the show because I'm kind of a hobby girl. But some of my hobbies include knitting, crochet from time to time, although it's like the mistress I cheat on knitting with, weaving when I get around to it. Although as I say weaving, I'm realizing what a freaking liar I am because I have my sewing machine and serger on the loom bench, which has been there for quite some time. Not the loom bench, but the serger has definitely been there. So there's no way I could sit my fat rear end down there and weave anything. In fact, I can't even remember the last time I <laughs> that I loaded up that loom. It has a project on there. You know, a work in progress. It's there. Anyway, I digress. Went to a yarn store. That's where we were. Yes. I had to buy some buttons for... I like how I say I had to, like somehow there wasn't like a Walmart or a Target or an Old Navy or somewhere I could get clothing for my children that I had to make them this way. So I digress. I got buttons for a winter coat I'm sewing for my two-year-old because I wanted fancy bougie buttons. They have them at the yarn store. Definitely found the buttons for that. Found the buttons for my throwback sweater. And had an interesting experience. So when you bring your things into um, a craft store of your choice, let's just go with the flow of yarn store at this point. When you carry your finished object or semi-finished object into the store, there's a conventionality of shop worker and customer that usually should be fulfilled, in my opinion. It includes something like, oh, did you make that? Wow, you did a great job. Or... I love the colors you chose. Even if it's total bullshit, that's what you go with, right? Like if you brought your whole finished scrapbook and you brought it there just to find a few little doohickeys, wouldn't the person like shit themselves over how great your scrapbook was? No? Well, this is how it used to be in the knitting world. So the lady behind the counter could give two craps about what I brought in and finished, which was fine, but it was still a little weird because it was like these big cumbersome things that I'm carrying. Now, the code, um, I think I have that posted. If I don't, I'll post the hand embroidery I did. If you have not tried the fancy embroidery thread from Italy, and the only embroidery thread that you have ever used embroidering has been the cheap stuff at Walmart or at Joann's, I suggest you upgrade a little and give it a swing. So I was embroidering the collar which I did horsehair interfacing and hand pad stitch down for the collar stability on her jacket. So you can see why I wanted fancy bougie buttons. It's a boiled wool from Mood Fabric. Let me say that again for the Project Runway people in the back. I bought it from Mood Fabric. I didn't get to go there, I know. I bought it online, but they still sent in a bag that said Mood Fabric and I did feel totally cool for a minute, just like a little minute. Like many artists, one of the things I struggle with is imposter syndrome. So while I can do something that would be considered totally successful as an artist, I will then downplay that. It's one of my toxic traits, maybe, or one of my realist traits. I don't know how to look at it yet, and maybe I should seek help about it, but it's just how I've always gotten by. 
So I mentioned that I was a potter and I'll talk a little bit about that. I've always loved clay. Clay, I am much better at working with than painting, but I will still paint because I'm obstinate and stubborn and will not accept that I am not as good with paint as I am with clay. Thus, why I'm a multimedia artist in that regard. I sell far less art than I do pots. Now, but when I say pots, I mean like mugs and casseroles and jars and things. Now, I also live in a really rural area. So while a potter in a large city could sell their mugs for 30 or $40, I can't do that where I live. Well, I could, but not many people would be able to afford that luxury. So I tend to price my things accordingly for where I am. What that also ends up turning into, because artists often have self-doubt, is that somehow what I'm making is less valuable than what peers on social media pottery accounts are making. That what they're making is somehow superior or better than mine. I do order mugs from other artists. I've ordered some fantastic ones that I love. And sometimes I order mugs and things because I want to see what like a $60 mug is. I want to compare it to what my $20 or $15 mug is. So it gives me a little pulse on what's going on. But that's one of the things I struggle with. So I work from a home studio. And my days, because we're, I'm a stay-at-home mom, um, and I have the six children, and we homeschool, and our house is like hell on fire with activity and action, Usually what I try to do is rotate on days and off days. So I tend to do pottery things for two days back to back so I can trim pottery pieces or glaze and fire and unload and reload the kiln or something along those lines back to back. Otherwise, I find I don't quite um, get to everything that I need to get to. And then I spend two days on schoolwork and general household things, and then so on and so forth. Now, this statement also implies that I have some sort of balance all the time in my life, and I don't. I totally go down a rabbit hole and get totally sidetracked doing something else. Like if I'm really into a sculpture I'm working on, which by the way, I don't sell a lot of, but I do make them. Um, I make kind of creepy dark art sculptures, but my pottery is more approachable and mountainy style, so go figure. Um, but if I'm really into a sculpture or something I'm working on there, I can get totally focused and like a narrow mindset. It's a very ADHD um, uh, thing. It's very common. I'm not neurotypical. So that is um, part of it as well. So like I said, that's the goal though, is that I try to find that balance between those things. One of the other difficulties that I seem to have is I like to do a lot of things um, and I'm not two dimensional and I'm not implying that somebody who has one focus is two dimensional, but I can get easily distracted. And the analogy I like to use for this is if you picture um, the side show worker who's spinning plates on sticks, that's what I'm doing. I'm spinning a plate on keeping my home running and functional. I'm spinning a plate on keeping the um, household accounting and what have you done and spinning a plate on my art and pottery and spinning a plate on homeschool and spinning a plate on you name it. So as a person, I can get really overwhelmed. 
And the little sick, toxic game I like to play with myself is how much shit can I pile on my plate before I absolutely go crazy and lose it? And so what'll happen is I will start um, levying up, doop, 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 putting little added responsibilities or tasks or goals on my plate until which point that I absolutely lose my mind and then freak out and set a bunch of boundaries and tell myself I'm not going to do that. And then I rinse and repeat. So that's what I do. I recently had a pretty significant um, injury to my ankle and that resulted in a hospitalization and some blood clots and some helicopter rides and some almost dying. And with all that being said, I had been laid up and doing absolutely nothing for about six weeks and experienced near minimal healing to my leg. Um, So under normal circumstances, had the orthopedist seen my leg, um, they would have operated, but because of the blood clots that occurred and, you know, the heart attack and (laughs) pulmonary embolism and all that, they were like, nope, um, we're not going to do surgery right now. There's a possibility we may do it in April if it doesn't heal. So part of that meant that I was like pinned to the sofa, that nobody pinned me there. I was stuck to the sofa, couldn't move. And I... Sydney, a control freak, had to depend on other people to do things and accomplish them and get them done and let go of some of that control. What that resulted in is me realizing that I'm not ready to let go of that control. I'm so happy that I was given some ability at this last doctor's visit because I am not ready for that shit. Um, It was very difficult to watch people cook Thanksgiving dinner with like me directing. I got a um, bar stool and sat in the kitchen and like attempted to get some things done, but it was really a slipshod event of Thanksgiving in my house. Not that we're like a big Thanksgiving is not something our family has in general, but there are eight of us already. So it's a pretty, every time we cook, it's a pretty good big meal, right? So At any rate, I learned a lot about myself. I had more time than most people should be allowed to have with themselves to overthink their life um, and analyze every decision they made in their past 40 plus years of existence. So after doing all that, I was like, I really, there's some things about my life I miss um, and some things I'm really glad aren't a part of me anymore. And one of the things I missed was definitely the podcast and that sort of outlet. Um, I definitely feel like art helps me express myself. And um, I wouldn't say it helps me express myself because I am fairly verbal, highly introverted, but very verbal. But it is another outlet for me to express myself. But I feel like there's things that I want to say that I don't have an opportunity to. And that's why I'm here. So... Anyway, that's the fiber check-in that went into some weird tangent. So anyway, let's try to refocus me um, about the ankle. So I didn't garden this season, what my considered growing garden season is in Florida. 
Um, our garden season is backwards um, for the most part. You can grow like tropical things and inevitably, <laughs> what is this, February? Okay, so in March, I will cue uh, about two dozen people sending me messages about what seeds to start because they'll see the trends on social media about seed starting. To which I will say, well, you really shouldn't be planting blah, 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 blah right now. And they'll say, are you sure? What can I plant? And I'll name a bunch of crap they've never heard of. And then they'll completely ignore me and plant lettuce and carrots. And then I'll have somebody come at me like, I always plant my carrots in the middle of July and August, August in Florida, and it works fine. I don't think it really does. Um, I don't know where you are, but this far south where I am, it is not possible to do it well. And why would you want... Like, what about 105 degrees says I want to go out and tend a freaking garden? There's a reason that we're not gardening then. Like, take the break. Or grow some crap that's, like, really easy. Like, throw some chaya in the ground or um, do some roselle or false roselle or cranberry hibiscus. But be careful because that will take over your yard. Um, but, like, plant. Um, like more permaculture style stuff that you don't have to go out there and look at. No, seriously, do that. Anyway, so we didn't do much in the way of gardening. Although today, my eldest daughter, my youngest daughter, and one of my middle daughters decided to set up um, the aquaponic tower garden. I don't know what they put in it, <laughs> but they set it up all by themselves. It's something that we usually kept herbs on, on the front porch, maybe some cucumbers. And we could extend our growing season. So when it was hot as balls outside, we could still have things that would prefer a slightly colder or cooler climate. If you want more gardening hoo-ha, um, I'm happy to include gardening content. I have random knowledge um, that I'm happy to impart. And um, anyway, so like drop a comment if that's your bag and you're into that. I can make sure to make the gardening content a little richer. So in regards to crafting, it was primarily the, um, the getting the buttons. And I started sewing the corset piece for my April show. And um, hopefully I'll post some video of that process and the speaking process on the sweater. My eldest daughter has been helping me record for um, YouTube and TikTok. On TikTok, I'm at musepottery.com. So let's let's take a little let's take a little meander down TikTok land just together. Come with me. Okay. So here's how TikTok started for me. I had a customer buy a butterbell. The customer asked me how to use oh wait, no, I'm sorry. Butterbell's like trademarked. I can't use that. Fuck. Okay, no, 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 no. They bought a French butter dish that looks exactly like a butterbell, but it's not one because it's a French butter dish. I digress. So join me. They bought a French butter dish, didn't know how to use it, asked how to use it. Rather than me type it out, I created a video, did a voiceover, kind of was a snarky asshole when I was touching the butter with my hands and said, this is relaxed. This isn't your butter. This is my butter because I could hear Karen's in my head talking about the butter. You see where I'm going with this. Well, that kind of made it semi-viral the first day it was posted. It's now over 250,000 views, which is kind of big for a dumbass video about a butter dish, a French butter dish. 
And never mind the fact that this woman bought something that she had no idea how to use, which I think is just precious and adorable. <laughs> um, and I can kind of relate with. Um, but if you're wondering, like if you have a small business and you like want a pro tip on your TikToking, $250,000, $1,000, I wish, 250,000 views on TikTok for something you make as an artist equals, wait for the Etsy, three sales, three of them. Mm -hmm. That's right. It probably cost me more in gas to drive said three sales to our post office than it did in actual profits. But that's not why I'm here. I mean, that's not why I do it. But anyway, so if you're wondering, can I go like on TikTok and promote my Etsy? Yes, you can. Um, but I don't know that the returns there or maybe my shit sucks. I don't know. But that's where we are with that. So my eldest daughter helps me record TikTok content, which is very much like this podcast. It's a little bit of everything, even though all the algorithms say find a niche to which I say new and new and you didn't get to see me <laughs> flip off the imaginary people that I just did. It occurred to me. Yes. Okay. Not a visual media. Anyway. Um, so that's why I do TikTok. It's on there. It's a nice little snippet. Um, my only hope with that one is I wish people I didn't, who I knew in real life weren't on there. Is that like a thing? I don't know. So um, and then let's go do the hot homeschool minute and then I'll do my general ramblings. So hot homeschool minute. I have my two boys, our kindergarten age and preschool age. I homeschool their curriculum together with the exception that the kindergarten age has just started a little more intent reading program. Um, but I don't push hard. I found that in my experience with the with my children and the children I taught in the school system is oftentimes if they're pushed too hard um, before they're developmentally ready for whatever that skill is, it can actually be detrimental. So I have a really delicate approach with that. It also involves M&Ms when learning how to read. So, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's entirely granola-y. Um, but I have a little bit more lax of an attitude there. Um, my children are on or above level. I teach um, in a very eclectic style. We don't have one set curriculum for everything or everyone. Um, I am very lenient once your reading level exceeds high school level. And... I teach test-taking skills as far as how to do well on the SAT, PSAT. I intend my children to go to college if they want to, and I want to provide them all the opportunities that I can educationally so that if they decide to do that, they are able to. I don't want to under-prepare them. Um, that said, <laughs> I've also... Um, totally put on a magic school bus video for science that day. I find for me, I cannot teach every subject every day to every child. So I kind of do a rotation of schedules, if that makes sense. So um, I am not, I am a type A personality, but I have a left brain, right brain cross dominance thing going on. So a lot of times 
While I would like to say we only do things this way or this way or we follow this particular schedule, I'm also really open to not following the schedule. So if I know that one of my children struggle with spelling, I will put a little more emphasis in that department when I have one-on-one time with that child. And that's just what I do. And I don't mean that everybody has to do that. And in everything I say, I don't ever mean that everyone has to subscribe that way. I'm just going to tell you what works for me. This way, my child has more of an opportunity to practice what they're not good at and with supervision so that they can improve those skills more readily and build on them more easily. And if something, another subject area is something that they're really fantastic at, then that's something that they can do more independently. However, right now I have a kid that is not very good at spelling and is really struggling with multiplication tables. So apparently just telling your kid that they have to learn the multiplication tables and like quizzing them and like going over it and buying way too many songs on iTunes about multiplication to the point where your playlists are infiltrated with songs, rapping, multiplication, and all of that does nothing. They will still ignore you and not pay attention. Now, back when I taught in schools, what the school I was teaching at used was drill and kill. We had a um, quiz for multiplication every day, and there was a set period of time, and what you got wrong, you wrote a certain number of times as your homework. It worked for probably 98% of the neurotypical children. However, I do not have neurotypical children. And I also don't want them to hate me and need years of therapy beyond what I've currently destroyed them with. So um, I'm trying a different approach. We've tried a workbook um, with like numbers and pneumatics and things like that. Um, It's on Amazon and recommended like if you Amazon search like, hey, I have a problem with multiplication, what do I do? And it came up, but it has not um, and then shit. (laughs) So she still sucks at that. So what did I do? I got an app. Why? Because my children do not have unlimited device time in my household. So, um, being able to screw around with an iPad or a a tablet is a big deal. So, um, having like an unlimited game that involves multiplication seems to be the ticket and we'll see if this does it and I will follow up with it at another time. Okay. So for this week's ramblings, I am going to say that it's on owning it. So, um, I have struggled my entire life to feel like I fit in. And the reason I have never felt like I fit in is because I don't. Um, I am weird and I am completely at home with that now. Um, I do not fit inside a, I'm a square peg in a round hole. Um, I either was born in the wrong century one way or the other. I'm not sure which way I'm supposed to like, whether I'm supposed to go back or forward, but like, I feel like I'm not in the right place. And I've, And I had always felt that way. So, um, and I didn't identify with what was popular. In fact, I was more likely in high school if something was popular not to be a part of it. So my best friend and I in high school, instead of watching um, Jurassic Park, uh, going to the movies to see that, we went and saw Schindler's List. 
Um, we went to the coffee shop to listen to spoken word poetry when all of our friends were going to um, concerts and what have you. Um, we were just kind of doing different stuff. And it wasn't like we as in like a group of people like hanging out and being counterculture and cool. It was just me and like one friend. <laughs> and so I've never been very good in groups. Um, I feel incredibly socially awkward. It has gotten worse as I've gotten older. I struggle with anxiety and body issues. Um, and so I have my like own little baggage there to unpack. But once I got to where I stopped caring as much, I tend to do better. But what I struggle with is the moms who don't own it. And here are the people that I mean that still get to me and maybe they shouldn't and maybe I'm wrong, but this is what gets to me most is let's say I'm at a homeschool um, meeting or group or something along those lines with other moms who homeschool. And the idea that's presented is that we should like, we're all like one team but then you find out that the other moms are talking about you or refer to you in a certain way. So when I find out something like that, where I felt like I was trusting someone and then they violate that trust, it's something that deeply hurts me. But at the same point, me being empathetic type of person is I often put aside how I feel about a current situation because someone else may feel worse. So if I feel sad by that comment, I'm sure there's somewhere else that has been excluded more than me. So it, I almost make it that I don't deserve to have that feeling. I'm not, that is, I know that's not right, but it's very difficult to train your mind to do something different than that. So what I found is among homeschooling moms, um, there's a community of people that try to present that social media perfect image. You know, we steam quinoa once a week and like we incorporate it in every freaking meal and we eat a rainbow and we don't have red dye and... Um, we don't ever eat fast food and like we lick the toes of fairies in the morning and you know, the shit like that. And I'm not that girl. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not slamming you if you like quinoa. Um, I don't like it. Um, I, I don't say I don't like it. It's not my favorite and it sticks in my teeth and I don't understand what the big deal is. It's also meant that people who like where quinoa fucking grows can't like sustain themselves because it's a high protein thing that they were used to be able to have because they couldn't afford wheat and now can't get it because your bougie ass wants quinoa. So Google that shit and look it up and simmer down. But anyhow, here's what I'm saying is you don't get to come to play date and this is like what, before the personal pan pizza pandemica um, and come to play date with your steamed sweet potato halves and your like grass fed butter and pretend like you don't do anything that's naughty. When I know good and damn well that you were right behind me in line at McDonald's, like legit saw your car. So don't pretend like you're not that person. It's okay to be both of those things. 
I think it is, right? So eat the fries or have the McMuffin or whatever it is you were going to have. And some, I know, like, I can just see a comment, like, you don't know what they were ordering. They could have gotten a black coffee. Okay, suck it. You know what I mean. I'm talking about the hypocritical people. Anyhow, so that's something I struggle with, is that sort of two-facedness. So in uh, very common within the church communities where I am is a completely intolerant attitude towards any lifestyle that is divergent from their own. And um, I'm not that girl again. So the way I view the world <laughs> does not allow me to fit in with that group of people. Um, I could honestly tell you I have no freaking idea what in my pantry may or may not have red dye. Do I aim to like serve a vegetable at dinner? Hell yeah. Yeah, we do. Um. I don't like a lot of vegetables myself, so I really struggle with that. Some asshole's going to come on here and be like, you're fat because you don't eat vegetables. No, fuck you, Todd. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> so I tend to make everything, and I make myself eat the stuff I don't even like, just so that everybody has, like, a try-it bite. Um, and that that's one of my goals. I cook 95% of the meals from scratch. Occasionally, I slum it with Mrs. Stouffer's. She calls me in the back alley. She throws a few mac and cheeses at me and maybe a lasagna, and, like, I get dirty with her. It happens. I do takeout very infrequently. I live 30 minutes from town. So if I want to get takeout pizza, it's an hour and a half. So it's like a process. Like, do I really want takeout pizza? I don't know. We have gone from having our own free-range chickens eating only those eggs to buying store-bought crappy-ass eggs. We've done both things. We've milked our own cow and um, eaten only raw um, milk from the cows or goats or what have you, made our own cheese, and then sometimes, like right now, the cow's not lactating, so the milk comes in a jug from the store. Nobody's ass has fallen off. Um, haven't noticed anything really weird, no behavior changes in the kids, what have you. Um, I don't know. So we just kind of own that. I, I, I'm not a chemical free household. I use, uh, sometimes I use bleach to clean things. I know, right? I feel like it's like a confessional, like all the shitty things I do. We use bleach sometimes to clean stuff. And sometimes I use a Norwex cloth, um, because that's what I like most of the time. But if you have little boys that piss all over the toilet seat, I don't, I, I'm not wiping that. Like I, I don't, if you're not familiar with Norwex, you can Google it. Um, I'm technically a Norwex representative, so I, I do like their products. But I still am not wiping my toilet down and the sides and down the sides of the toilet. Like, uh, you can't see my hand actually massaging a pretend freaking toilet in front of me. But you get the idea. Like, I'm not wiping that and then wiping the counter. So my, my toilet cleaning process is not just one way. Like not everything I have is like organic and grown in a forest and sustainable. Like, do I try to be that way? Yes. Have we nearly eliminated paper towels in my house? Yes. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes like shit spills and I don't want to deal with that smell. Like, let's say you have potatoes in your pantry, Karen. 
And by the way, I don't know if you do this, but like sometimes I can picture the person who's my personal Karen. And if you're close to me, you know exactly who that bitch is. All right. So let's say you have potatoes in your pantry, Karen, and they start to like rot and get that funky ass smell. And then they get like where they leak that smell. I want you to tell me that you then take your reusable cloth and wipe that shit up there. Because you know what I do? I go get the freaking chloraline bleach that I got at the Aldi. And I probably say Aldi wrong. Aldi. I called in Aldi. My, I think you're supposed to say all, whatever. Anyway, so you get that. I get that. I spray the shit out of it so I don't smell it. And then I take a paper towel and go boop, 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 boop. And I throw it in the trash. And then I'm done. But I also don't get on social media and talk about how like organic fairies grew the shit out of the manure of the magical unicorns. And it's totally sustainable. So I'm just saying like, own it. Like, it's okay. Like we used the bleach. It was fine. You don't want to use bleach in your house? Don't use it. I use it over here. Just how I roll. Anyway, so that's what I want to talk about. It's like owning whatever that is for you. If you are that person that 100% subscribes to like almost a zero waste lifestyle, go you. And you own that. But I hate the perpetration of a lie on social media, in small groups, and what have you, that you are something that you are not. And I also hate that other people can't, I say hate, and it's, and like, such a strong word. Well, it is a strong word because it's a strong feeling. I don't like when people are disingenuine. I don't like when people present a falsehood as if it's a truth and others can't see it. I have always been an incredibly intuitive person. And one of that things, the, one of that things, <laughs> yes, yes, I have an advanced degree. One of those things is that I can see the bullshit in people so much easier, I think, than the general public, because it's almost as though if you're old, like me, back in the day on Sesame Street, only Big Bird saw Snuffleupagus. Not everybody saw him then. And if you don't remember that, Google it. It's true. So what would happen is Snuffleupagus would come and be like all Snuffleupagusy with Big Bird. And then he'd like go. And then like Big Bird would tell like Gordon, like, hey, Snuffleupagus was just here. We hung. We had some porridge together, whatever. He just left. And like Gordon be like, yeah, okay. So like Snuffle who? Your best friend? Right. Sure he was. And like basically they were gaslighting um, Big Bird on the fact of Snuffleupagus's existence. Now everybody sees it because otherwise either Big Bird's batshit crazy or they're gaslighting or something. But um, I digress. So for me, what happens is like I see somebody for their total true bullshit that they are. And, I, and then the people all around me don't see that. And then I get upset that they are not seeing that because I'm like, he was just here giant, biggie, big, furry, like woolly mammoth type shit walked through here. How did you not see it? So case in point, um, I had someone recently in my life that I would describe as a pathological liar. They did something um, that is so characteristic of this type of user is they will mirror whatever um, social anxiety 
um, insecurity issue that you have as a person and or tray it as their own and then project that to gain your sympathy and what have you. And for the first time in a long time, I was totally duped by this and didn't quite see that. Now, my best friend saw it, but I didn't quite see it. So if you know somebody who's like that, it's undeniable what they're doing. Um, they have to know everything about everything. Um, last word, play the victim, use uh, a lexicon and language that is uh, victimizing and um, projects the insecurities of the people around them to trigger the people around them into sympathy. Uh, so if you have that type of thing or familiar with it, um, please share a comment. So like, I know that I'm not totally losing my freaking mind, but anyhow, so <clears throat> in my opinion, that person in that situation doesn't own it because I don't even think at this point they know who they really are. Um, if you're so busy pretending to be like someone else and adapting the traits and characteristics of that person, how do you even know who you are? So after 40 plus years, what I figured out about who I am is that I am loyal to you to a fault if you are inside my circle. That I am rather cynical and have always been of who I let in to my circle. I am generally distrusting, and that's okay. And I have a tendency to be really highly anxious and self-loathing from time to time, but I'm working on that. And I also bite off more than I can chew a lot. I can't even say that I'm working on that. <laughs> Because I don't even think I am. But I know it's there. So that makes it a totally different thing. So that's where I am at 40-something years. I hope at 50-something years, like some of the things that I said, like I'm not working on, um, are there. I am trying not to be as hurt when I feel that people who I trusted or supported have been like backstabbing. Um... And we go from there. So as an artist, that self-doubt contributes uh, to that self-doubt in a spiral-like fashion. Um, and it might be this way in other um, career venues. But for me, what it is, is I try to own um, the positive of what I do and the negative. So a lot of times on my social media for my small business, I will post what I've done well. And sometimes I will share a failure um, because I want to keep it real. Um, like if I post a video about my sourdough um, bread and it sucks that day, I don't want to only post the video on YouTube of where like I kick ass at sourdough. Like I want to post a picture of like what happens. So like, Right now, I'm doing, I, I took a little break with the ankle because, like, who the fuck's going to make sourdough bread while their ankle's broken um, in, like, four places, and they're sitting in a recliner because that would be sticky and gross, and no, um, 
but I digress. So I, what I did is I dried my sourdough starter so I could save it for later. And I also kept it that way in case like something like befell my sourdough starter and I wouldn't have to start from the beginning. So I reconstituted it, but I took videos and shot them each day and uploaded them each day. So what the person who's viewing it is getting is what actually happened. Not an overly edited fancy thing where you're like not seeing the mess that might happen or that it didn't work this way and worked that way. Like I'd rather be more authentic. Um, I used to, like when I recorded my podcast before, I did very little editing and I hope to do very little if no editing going forward with this podcast because I want what's said to be like unscripted, um, off the cuff and real and not be a picture perfect presentation. I think as women, a lot of what we're presented with is a picture perfect representation and it doesn't always subscribe the narrative that we're being told. Like, so as far as body shaming and body image, um, the narrative is here. And then, so you have somebody who is um, plus size or the like, and then they have a social media account and then they start um, posting about their body weight um, changes and they gain more followers because they're losing weight, but they're supposedly um, I, it's difficult to say. Hmm. They're they're gaining more followers because they're they're opting to lose weight. So when they were plus size, they, what they found is they had less followers. So their reason for doing it is the image that they're presenting. I'm not saying lose weight, don't lose weight, do whatever you want to do. But I'd rather be real. So no, I have not lost any weight sitting on a fucking sofa for six months. Um, I know it's shocking, right? I've done jack shit and eaten and I have not lost any weight and I really don't know why. But anyway, so if I have a social media account and I constantly present myself shot from this one angle where you can't see the additional chin, you're going to have an inaccurate perception of who I am. I don't mean don't put your best foot forward. I mean, just like kind of own all of that, like own the fact that maybe the best life choice wasn't popping popcorn and putting truffle butter on it the other night. Like maybe the fruit salad should have been the way to go, but it wasn't. Maybe I don't give a rat's ass and I am comfortable the way I am. It could be all of those things. Do you get where I'm going with this? Does that resonate with anybody? So as women were presented this idea where there's this um, conflict, we're presented with this one ideology that it's okay to do, be, think how and we want in a way we want and be who we are. But at the same token, what we're perpetuated with on social media is an image that you can't keep up with. Okay, so I can don my linen apron and my brand nameless clothing and be all earthy, granola-y and what have you. And that would be the only thing that you see. But what you wouldn't see is perhaps behind the scenes that maybe we don't subscribe to that 100% of the time. Or maybe maintaining that lifestyle has put us in a difficult situation. Or maybe you trying to to achieve that lifestyle on your income would not be possible. You can't subway tile up your, your house. Like you want to, but you can't. But what you're being presented with is this farmhouse chic, got it here, um, linen wearing, um, 
essential oil diffusing lady who you might not be able to fulfill. Like I don't have a set schedule. I clean the house too. I have an app. Okay. The app, the app tells me to clean my toilets on Monday. Sometimes I clean them on Sunday and it's not the boss of me, but you know, like I, it told me to vacuum yesterday. Do you know what I did? I said, fuck you app. I'm not vacuuming, but I does not, but still like it doesn't have to be perfect. There's I get it. I watch the YouTube porn of the people cleaning their house. Like, I get it. Like, the cleaning porn, you know, we're like, uh, come clean with me all day. Like, I get it. Like, it's good, right? Like, they scrub the shit out of that shower. Like, I own that, that I do that. And then I go in my shower, and I'm like, that is nasty. So I have to make a decision. Do I want to spend my day chasing that reality, chasing that image that they may have cleaned that up for that scene? And you didn't see the shit storm that occurred behind it. And you didn't see the other room where they threw half the stuff in. Or I could just be real and we could all just be real and own that it doesn't have to look like a television set. It doesn't have to look like House Beautiful or Architectural Digest. You don't have to have the reclaimed barn wood beams in your home. And if you have them, good for you, but you don't have to. You can be who you're going to be and it's all okay. It, it will work out. You do not have to subscribe to that societal norm of being a bougie housewife or mom. Like it's, you don't have to be that person. And that's what I struggle with, is I struggle with the people that embrace that to a fault, who exclude those who disagree, and that narrow-minded point of view. Um, I'm not at all slamming, oh no, I am, no, (laughs) never mind, I am. I am kind of slamming the persona of perfectionism on social media. I am slamming that. I get you're selling a lifestyle, but what we have to get as a viewer is whomever you're following who's selling that lifestyle of perfection or that goal of perfection, they're at a point in their social media career that the reason that they're on your feed or what have you is because they're being compensated through either their social media channels or endorsements or what have you. And the standard that you're comparing yourself to is one that you're not compensated to compare yourself uh, to, to mimic. So let's say I have a fancy meal delivery service. <laughs> and just because you can't fulfill that doesn't make you less important, less relevant, or less than. So when I say own it, um, I want like the real. And that's what I want in my friendships and in my life and my family. So thank you for listening to my (laughs) absolute ramblings. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed it. And hopefully if you didn't, you're not an asshole. And um, I just realized that I need to go cook dinner. Tonight's fajitas, if you're wondering. So I have some onions to chop and that sort of nonsense. I'm not making flour tortillas today or corn ones. They came from the store. I have made them, but today is not the day, my friends. So until next time, I'm Sydney, and this is The Feral Housewife. You can follow me on TikTok at Muse Pottery. 
The Feral Housewife is on Facebook and on YouTube. Thank you.